ideas and new technology are causing seismic shifts in the media industry. Where are we headed? What does it mean? Keep listening. Media strategist Gabriella Mirabelli talks with the brightest minds in entertainment and business. Meet the innovators, the risk takers, and the disruptors on the front lines of change from Hollywood, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and beyond. The future is coming to a screen near you. Are you ready? This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. My guest today is Will Scott. Will is the author of The Culture Fix and the founder of The Culture Fix Academy. He leads workshops and speaks regularly using his Alive, Thrive, and Drive methodology. He's also the host of The Culture Fix podcast. Will, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, you are so welcome, Gabriella. Happy to be here. Thank you. On the podcast, I've had guests talk about employee engagement, leadership, and culture, and how all of these things relate to a company's bottom line. And certainly, you're an expert who has written and talked extensively on these topics. So for today's conversation, I want to talk about something that people don't talk a lot about. And these are the difficult conversations we sometimes have in order to preserve or enforce culture. And you coined a term for that first of those conversations. I'd like to cover that. And that's unhiring. Language is very powerful. So I know you didn't come up with the term by accident. Before we dive into the full conversation, I'd like it if you could just take us through why you decided to call it unhiring and why framing the conversation with that language is so important. Yes, well, th- th- and thank you. So first of all, I'm really uh, excited to, to be diving into this particular area of culture on, on your podcast and focusing in on difficult conversations and, you know, why do I use the word unhiring? So I, I think the word fire is really a pretty awful word. And it's <laughs> certain, right? And it's certainly very bad for culture. And if we fire people, how does that make the ones that are still remaining in the company feel? And if we reframe that conversation and that act, and call it unhiring, which to me is like an uncoupling. Mm -hmm. I believe the hiring manager, the person, the CEO, if you like, whoever the hiring uh, or, you know, managing uh, individual is, takes some responsibility for hiring that person and them not succeeding. Mm -hmm. So instead of saying you're fired, I like to think that a manager and and the subordinate who they are, you know, really requesting leave the organization, sit down and have a, a much more quality conversation that sets up that individual to go on to something where they're, they're, go- they're going to fit better with the culture and therefore succeed more. Mm-hmm. And using the core values, of course, the cultural definition, is just a great way to do that, where it's an uncoupling around values rather than a firing inverted commas, around performance. And imagine then again how everybody else in the company feels when that is the approach. It's not just that you, my subordinate, didn't succeed. It's that I did not succeed as as your leader, as your manager. The focus therefore being around values. I've done this many times and I coach my clients to do it. And when you have that conversation around values, for example, if I can, I know it's a long answer, Gabriel, but just to give you an example is, uh, let's say our, our value is togetherness. And we, uh, you know, hired a software engineer who works, tends to work solo. And 
comes you know with a finished result but mm. our way of coding or working together is collaborative then we can say to that individual hey listen we know that you know you tend to work alone as an engineer and that may well work for you and for some organizations but in our organization we like to think that our coders are working together and collaborating and maybe even doing pair programming and some of these other sort of techniques and therefore you know do you think this is the best place for you and and sort of do that for three or four values Mm. And I've I've had actually had folks say, oh, you know what? Maybe this is not the best place for me. Right. And that's when we can enthusiastically agree. And right. that person can go on then not being fired, but being unhired or or just, you know, a, a conversation that enables them to move on to better things. And the people that are left in our organization can respect that. And then right. when we announce it to everybody. We can also, you know, tell that story and give it to them. I mean, what do you right. think, Gabrielle? I, I think it it provides a level of agency and accountability, so that it is not entirely the responsibility of the person who is separating from the organization. Yeah. That it's their failure to perform, their failure to participate. That it is a failure on the part of the company to select a person, a failure on the part of the company to bring them up to speed to get them going where they need to go. And for whatever reason, not connecting or caring in such a way that they are grown into that place, that this is just a, a mismatch, a fit. So now that we've framed that, I'd like to dive into why and when to have this kind of conversation. Right now, we're in the middle of what's called the great resignation. It's hard to get good people. Let's say I have someone and I've been hearing rumblings about them. And what I hear is not good. In fact, I I know it's not good, but if I fire them, I'm going to have a hole in my organization. I don't know how long this will last. Can I just wait it out? <laughs> well, so I think that there are, there are degrees, aren't there, of discomfort around around that individual. And you use the word rumblings, and it's really interesting because. Well, I, I coach clients, if there's a name that's coming up again and again in the management <laughs> meetings, you know, that's usually a sign that there's an issue. That's and so funny. I do the same thing with people. I say, if you're fine yeah. talking about somebody a lot, that's a sign to you. Right. <laughs> right. And, and funny enough, you know, yes, we probably talk about the rock stars, but the name that tends to come up more is the person that is causing the most issues from a cultural standpoint. And so I really like the tool from the Culture Fix, which is the core score, where we're able to rank employees in terms of their alignment with values. It's a simple scale. You know, three is they represent that value all the time. And then you have two and one and zero is they represent that value none of the time. And you can very effectively across all your employees or all your department's employees apply a scale that's green, yellow, red. And if they're scoring yellow, especially in the time of the Great Resignation, I think we can actually keep those individuals, have a conversation with them around mm -hmm. values and show them what good looks like. And there's a number of ways we can do that and actually train them to get into the green zone. What I have found though, is for the folks scoring red, meaning they're getting zeros and ones out of right. four, on mm -hmm. our values, then th there's no way that individual is going to be trainable or is going to change their DNA enough that they can hit the green zone. So those folks is, is the ones that we would like to respectfully unhire. 
Mm-hmm. So that's how we differentiate between, you know, how critical is it that we unhire this person? Right. And then, so if they're in the red, you know, we, we unhire them. If they're in the yellow, we can train and, and coach them. I've seen, you know, great success with this. The danger is if we keep people who are in the red zone uh, too long, really a day too long, okay. then however busy our company is, however much work is going on, I don't believe that individual is actually contributing like we think they are. And they're probably just detracting from everybody else. Mm. And when we do unhire them, everybody breathes a sigh of relief, picks up the workload and moves forward more efficiently. And of course, if we consistently do this so that we always got a great culture, people love who they work with and where they work. Then when we go to hire, and attract people and they're checking us out on on the web and Glassdoor and all these things and mm. seeing that we have this great culture we are going to be more successful replacing that person and, and hiring them so right uh, you know one of the things i found is it's a pull from parenting a parenting book you know when your child is misbehaving count to three and magically they will start behaving and i do every step and they continue, you know, my kid looks at me and says, you can't really do anything to me. And I think, aha, clever child, you figured it out. So have you ever had a situation where you are talking about the values? Let's take the example of the person who codes on their own and they say, but I do collaborate. And and you think, but not effectively, but not well. How, how do you address somebody or has it ever happened when somebody just simply doesn't acknowledge it won't won't see that they are so blind to the culture that they don't even see their misfit with the culture yes okay uh so first of all i i love that one, two, three timeout technique. That worked really very well for me. And <laughs> I think well for you, part- mine did not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you, you just have, you, so maybe this is a good example of, of leading with culture too, is, you know, you just got to be really strict about the timeout and, and, and they're sitting on the stairs or whatever with, with now you're, and you're starving them of no attention. I find that you know, children are actually afraid of having no attention and they're probably acting up just to get attention. Um, and I found that, being disciplined about it. Well, if I got to two, then the behavior would change. They ne- we never actually got to three in timeout after a while. And let's sort of, you know, parlay that into the business situation where we're wanting to lead with culture first. And we get that pushback saying, oh, I am a collaborative. Programmer. I'm a collaborative person, or I reach out to them and they never collaborate with me. Yeah. Okay. Well, so what is really important in this conversation is to have real examples, real stories that we can play back to them. It's really hard to argue with that. So when we're having this coming, we can say, and I noticed last Friday when we were under the gun for the client and everyone was working together, you you took your laptop off to the library or you went home or or something Mm -hmm. that that shows that they were not diving in and collaborating or they were heads down instead of up on the whiteboard, problem solving with the rest of the team. You know, real examples can show them that their behavior actually was not in alignment with the one that we are encouraging. So really, as as the person delivering this conversation, you need to do your homework. You really need to have all your ducks in a row and, and not only come from a place where you really feel this is absolutely true, this is the right way to go, but you can share the stories that exemplify it. 
Yeah. And and if in that conversation, of course, they're coming back with stories where perhaps they felt rejected or mm. or or weren't welcomed into that collaboration. Wow, that's great feedback. And I would like to have that conversation with the team about that. Were they really representing our value of collaboration? And perhaps not, and perhaps isolating that individual. That's also a great culture conversation. And these actually help us step towards that healthy culture and a healthy understanding of what we mean by that behavior of collaboration in our company. Okay. Well, I have another scenario for you. Let's say I didn't follow any of your advice thus far. I have not gotten the gumption to unhire this troublesome person. And while I've been dithering about it and trying to get myself ready, one of their direct reports leaves that, you know, the rumblings became untenable and that person leaves. So how do I handle the departure of this person? And I I really understand why they left. How do I handle that departure with the rest of the organization? And does this mean I really need to expedite my unhiring? Is that a sign? Are you talking about the report of somebody? No, I I have, I have, so I have a, a manager. And I've been hearing bad things about the manager, but they're ah. a critical person. And I've been, you know, maybe not. I just don't want to deal with it quite yet. I think they're maybe, maybe they're not yellow, but orange in terms, you know, I'm, I'm fudging it <laughs> yeah. for myself. And okay. while this is going on, somebody who reports to them, who is sitting underneath them, quits because it's not a tenable situation yeah. for them. Yeah. So now I, I have a situation where somebody has left. I need to manage my organization with this person leaving and leaving because of a culture reason, a culture misfit, right? So I've got to address that in some way. And also then does that mean I have no more runway with having this unhiring conversation? Let's say for instance, I didn't unhire them because they brought up these other stories and I thought, well, gee, maybe I should have these other conversations. And so I'm continuing to have these other conversations, but I just haven't finished it yet. Yeah. Yes. So, so I think it is common, like we said earlier, that people sort of, you know, shy away from dealing with that situation because they wonder about, they worry about the hole that will be left or, or, or they don't like stepping into that difficult conversation of. It's uncomfortable. Of the unhiring for sure. So people do avoid that. And one of the biggest regrets that you'll hear from leaders and managers is, is that they took too long to mm-hmm. unhire somebody. So I don't believe it does leave a hole. I believe the most healthy thing is to act sooner rather than later on that. And that's a great thing about the core score, because if we just work with gut feel, then, mm. then, then we kind of do avoid it. But when we see our 50 employees up there and somebody's two or three people are scoring red or at the bottom of that, the quickest way to change that culture and, and, and set our company up for, for success in the future is to unhire those those folks and that's right. not necessarily a bad thing for them they are probably uncomfortable in that environment how often have we heard that they are relieved and go and get you know find something that's a much better fit for them right well and so, so fit is a great is a great way to segue into the flip side which is is the hiring conversation yeah. and we often think about wanting an employee to fit and fitting the the culture but Sometimes fit can be skewed with unconscious bias. This is how VC firms find themselves largely white male and having Mm -hmm. gone to Harvard or Stanford business school, you know, this is, it's an outstanding percentage, but they fit great. 
you know? So that can result in a lack of diversity of experience and background, both of which are critical to be successful. So how do you distinguish between a cultural values fit and an unconscious bias fit? Yeah, yeah. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about this. And, and the first thing is, I, I, I think there is a lot of bad. Um, uh, um, the, the term "fit" is is mm. one that's got a bad rap, and and perhaps for good reasons. So that's why I, like, I prefer to use the word alignment, alignment okay. with values, and. If we hire for an alignment of values, those values can be found in an incredible diversity of the humans on the planet. And, and, and that's why I certainly approve, of course, of hiring as diverse a population as we can, because research has shown that- It's more so you are, end up a better result, sure. That's right. Those are really successful companies and are more successful, not just globally, but in dealing with markets in our own country. So- Absolutely, it's best practice to have maximum diversity. But, but how can also- we? How can we not? Is there a tool or an approach? You talk about, for instance, with the unhiring, you have your scorecard, and that <laughs> creates a level yeah. of rigor that really keeps people focused. Is there a similar type of rigor that can be applied so that the personal bias, well, unconscious, yes. not that people are bringing it uh, in the forefront of their mind, but that they just bring because, you know, I understand this person, they speak the same way I do. They went to the same type of school I went to. And so I, I can get there faster with them. Yeah. Well, by the way, those kind of monocultures, mm-hmm. I find their culture is usually pretty bad. And it's because they are not paying attention to values. They're paying attention to resume and and, right. and they look like me and that sort of thing. And those those do not have great cultures. And a great example there is law firms. I have law firms reaching out to me and they they have really you know poor cultures, partly because they don't work together a lot too. It's sort of an independent kind of a, a thing in a lot of these law practices. Mm. But there are two parts to, to answer the question. One is that I, I, I love to see in a cultural definition a value that is embracing what the company wants to achieve. So if the company genuinely wants diversity, then I hope there's a value there. Let's say, welcome all, right? That's the value. Mm -hmm. And then we have descriptive behavior. What do we mean by welcome all at this company? Well, we mean we embrace all the diversity that's represented by humans on the planet, for example. And then the second part of that is have interviewing or or, um, hiring practices that, of course, encourage diversity. And then when they get to the interviewing stage, that they are using uh, behavioral-based questions Hmm. to test the values of those candidates, put them through the core score, Mm -hmm. have multiple people in your company doing these hiring practices. And when you use that behavioral question. That behavioral question is based on an awesome story from the folklore of the company that's around mm-hmm. a value. When, when we have a story that, that basically supports what we mean by welcome all. And so we use that behavioral question. And then of course, we don't just take the first answer, but that we dig with follow-up questions to really see, is that person naturally behaving in the way that we would, in the way that, that, that we're looking right, for. Right, right, right. And it's, it's, it's a little bit of art. I'm not saying it's all science, a little bit of art there. We try and bring some, some science with, with the core score. But what I've seen is that folks get really good at this 
And so when we do hire that person, we are giving that individual and our company the most likely chance of, of being successful around that hire. Right. Well, so now I want to talk about a different scenario around unhiring, one that's driven by economics and not necessarily a lack of alignment. Mm -hmm. VCs are starting to tell their startups to be lean in order to grow. In other words, they see a recession on the horizon and they want them to be skinny to survive. And sometimes the way to scale is retrenchment. If a business needs to make cuts, how do they decide to make those cuts and still preserve a culture? Yeah. So I think we all understand that businesses, you know, do need to um, at times, you know, right size and, and, and you know, the, the, the income is simply not supporting the cost of the business. So, of course, those situations arrive. But this is when it really helps to do it in a kind way. And mm-hmm. so... One way to do it, of course, is to we want to preserve the, 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 the those that are most culturally aligned with the company for the good of the company later. And because that is a great home for those individuals, they are likely to go on thriving. Mm-hmm. So ha- having preserved that, but then, you know, is to do it just in the kindest way that you can. And if you've got a history of of being kind and unhiring and not firing and really caring about the culture and and the very word culture does mean, if you go back to Latin derivations, means to sort of cultivate and to care. Mm-hmm. Caring is a tremendous word to use when we're talking about culture. And right. I don't know if you saw that recent research, actually, Gabriel, from McKinsey. It's 2022 data, very recent research. People that are leaving, and get this, people that are leaving even when they don't have another job to go to, those people leave, number one reason, because they don't feel cared for by their right. manager, by their right. manager. What is being cared for by the manager? It's so I don't feel like you're listening to my specific needs from my schedule based on my situation. And I think we need, the world needs to sort of almost go to a one-to-one kind of a hiring you know, employment relationship now with people's individual needs. That's mm-hmm. caring. Also right. caring about their career and, and the opportunities for advancement. Those kinds of things all come under the category of, of caring. If you have a history of doing that and you need to have a downsizing for whatever reason or a right-sizing, then I think people will be more understanding. And then, of course, give them some runway if you can. Right. Um, give them some retraining possibilities. Those kinds of, of, of kind things. And right. So, so doing it from a place yeah. of kindness and caring. So, yeah. you know, that you care all the way through if it's uh, certainly, if especially if it's an economically motivated action. So yeah. how about some advice for people who work for other people? They can't legislate their supervisors culture they can embody you know the, the cult the ideal right let's say they're they're green in terms of culture alignment but their supervisor is is orange as we had discussed earlier yeah so if they have supervisors who aren't embodying the core values that have been expressed by leadership what should they do well that, gosh, great, great questions. So, so one of the things that's really important in, in a healthy culture is that people feel safe. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I'd like to think employees can feel safe about, provided the values are there and lived, and uh, is that I can have that conversation with my manager around values. You know, hey, Fred, can I just have a quick word with you? Because, um, you know, and hopefully I can walk across to the core values that are on the wall and say, hey, Fred, what you said in that meeting, can I just tell you how that made me feel? 
Mm. And under our value here of of you know welcome all or 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 collaboration, something else we've talked about, you know, and in that moment I did, did not feel like you were collaborating with me. I did not feel like I was actually welcome in the room at that moment. And here's why. And I really think that it's hard to argue, right? I hope a manager even in a position of superiority, could take the feedback because my subordinate is talking about the values, which really, I can't argue against the values of the company. It's a bit like arguing against True North or something, you know? Well, I I don't argue, but I may not enjoy being shown my shortcomings, especially if I'm orange. I'm not green on those values. Okay, well... And so I... And this is my job. This is my livelihood. And this is my subordinate pointing out my failings. And, mm, you know, so I guess the question is, so you would you would recommend that 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 subordinate person have that conversation? Yes, I I would like to think that they can absolutely have that conversation based on values. And listen, that is going to be a much better conversation than any other way of giving feedback. To, to your boss is if you can refer to the company's values as the standard for behaviors. That's but you wouldn't, much you wouldn't suggest any other way, an end run. Any other way of giving feedback. Sorry. You wouldn't suggest an end run or a, talking to a different party or something like that. You would be no, direct I, to the person. I, yeah, yeah I, absolutely. I don't love end runs and I don't love that. But perhaps that is, again, under the heading of safety, perhaps I can at least go to my HR department and mm-hmm. that should be a place I can have this conversation in safety too. Um, that, that maybe that's an acceptable practice within most companies. What's interesting is, does the does the culture provide a framework for conflict discussion? Hopefully, yes, hopefully. And hopefully the values actually, you know, encourage that. And again, the statements in the cultural definition are such that I can do that. But here's the other thing I think that's about that is we all need this skill. And that's why I would encourage that person to go to their manager. We all need the skill of stepping into difficult conversations and core values help us do that in a corporate situation. And if it really is an untenable situation, then eventually I'm going to vote with my feet and I'm going to go to find a culture, I hope, where I'm going to thrive because Mm -hmm. it's not healthy for me to be in that culture. So I would still say, hopefully take the risk, have that conversation. I believe a lot of the times that will go well if it's done. And by the way, a great way to start that conversation, Gabriela, is to say, listen, I really love this company. I love my job. And I really appreciate working with you. And Mm. I'm going to step into a conversation that I hope is going to make our working relationship even better. Can I just give you some feedback about how I felt? Well, so this is, I wanted to ask about that is you use the word feeling. (laughs) Now, Mm -hmm. a lot of women, certainly as a woman executive myself, using the the feeling word is... uh, not necessarily a strong way to go, but you would use feeling as opposed to, I experienced it this way. I, you know, is there, do you think it matters using the word feeling as, as opposed to some other expression? Well, look, I don't say this is easy for everybody in every situation to, to use the word feeling, but I think the world is going that way. And I think, and I think it's part of my job as a culture coach to certainly encourage people to talk about their feelings. Because ultimately, my favorite definition of culture, by the way, is how do you feel in that environment? How do you feel 
in those, you know, ah. with those with those peers, right? Well, th- that's what it's ultimately about. So, so yes, I I want the whole world and corporations to start talking about feelings. And trust me, I had to learn this the hard way. I was not good at this. <laughs> <laughs> I was not good at this. And you know, it, I think it's hurt me and a lot of my relationships. Uh, but when you begin with the words, this made me feel, again, it's really hard to argue with how somebody feels. So I think that little bit of vulnerability is just super empowering. And if the CEO and the leadership team can set the example here, that is going to make it safe for everybody else to do it, to be vulnerable around how they feel. Right. Well, it's yes. really wonderful. I, I, I love the the summary of of culture being about feelings and getting to a place where we can talk about feelings and that's okay. In fact, not only is it okay, it's a positive. Thank you so much for taking the time to share with us today. I found it a great conversation to talk about those hard conversations. Thanks, Gabriella. We've reached the end of another episode of Up Next. I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next, my friend Rob Naughton, the voice artist who recorded our open, and of course, all of you, the members of our audience, thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next.